This show is brought to you by Female Alliance Media, by women, for women. Hello, and welcome to the Say It Out Loud podcast. I am your host, Christine Daynard, and the goal of this podcast is to encourage you to live your best and most authentic life by digging deeper and finding connection through vulnerability. I believe we have been taught that vulnerability is a weakness when in fact it is our superpower. In this space, I will share personal stories and conversations with others so you can be empowered by their strength and inspired to take action in your own life. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Well, welcome back to the podcast. You've got me, Christine D here, and I have a lovely guest sitting here in the kitchen studio with me, and we're going to have a nice little chat. And as you know, as always, I ask you to lean in with some compassion, some grace, and understand that it takes a little bit of bravery and courage to come and chat about the things that have happened to us and the things that we've experienced. But I love having these conversations, and they always end up not only helping the guest who's here, but they also end up helping other people who are listening, and there's always a little seed or something to take away. So I hope you'll find something in this conversation for you. So I would like to introduce you to my guest, uh, Waterloo Region, uh, Lady of the Hour. Her name is Lynn Charlton. And Lynn, I would just like you to tell me a little bit about, tell our audience a little bit about who you are and why you chose to come and chat with me today. So my name is Lynn Charlton, (laughs) and I am the founder of Lynn Charlton Business Solutions, where we support kind employers to meet their business goals through leadership development and human resources strategy. Amazing. That is a mouthful. (laughs) You have worked on that for a while. I think people would say it's fair to say that I am a mouthful. But you do all the things that I think that, especially as a small business, certainly as a business is growing, that people don't really think about first, right? People don't necessarily think about HR first. They just think, I'm going to start this thing that I love and that I'm going to do, and I'm going to help people, or I'm going to you know, sell this widget or whatever it is that I'm going to do. But we don't often think about HR first. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just curious. So tell us maybe a little bit about how you got to this part of your journey. How, where did you come from? What were you doing before you were working? in this small business industry and where are you coming how did you come into where you are today well I've had my small business for about 13 years now it was 13 years 13 years I know it I don't feel like it should be that long but it has been <laughs> time flies though when you're having fun oh my goodness so um my uh current business evolved from my first sole proprietorship which was called integrity human resource services and that was sort of a side hustle hr moonlighting business that I had specializing in providing support to not-for-profit. At that time, I really realized that within uh, various sectors of not-for-profit, accessing human resources is really difficult for them from a budgetary perspective. In addition, though, uh, they face funding and budgetary barriers if they don't have proper strategic HR in place. You are required to meet some HR requirements in order to receive grants and funding from the government. Hmm. So when that change came down the pike, I think around 2007... I just sort of saw it as a business opportunity that there's all these little um, commodity groups and not-for-profits and advocacy and special interest groups that have what we know to be like nothing in place at all, who are now all facing fundings, facing barriers to funding that they traditionally were relying on on an annual basis and they really needed to get their HR stuff together. So I sort of um, leveraged that into 13 years later. 
here I am. Wow, that's amazing. Well, and this is like, this is the heart of entrepreneurship is we see a challenge or an opportunity and we find a way to make it work or how to help other people in that sense. So just out of curiosity, what are you most passionate about in the business that you, in the in the work that you do? What are you most passionate about? I think the one thing I'm most passionate about is using my HR powers for good. I think it's really important that we all take the uh, gifts and skill sets that we have and that we're using that to invest in the world around us rather than to take from the world mm. around us. So I recognize that my skill set is different than other people's. I'm, I'm an HR lady, um, but I hope that I use those skills in a way that solicits um, and uh, demands positive change within the community. Amazing. Well, and you really leaned on something there, which is like, we all have different things that we bring to the table. Yes. And you know, that whole um, aspect of like comparison, we all, you know, I would say many people fall into the category of, well, I think I'm going to do this thing, but that person's doing it, or there's so many people doing it, or, you know, I just, I'm not as good as that person, or I can't do it the way that that person does. Um, Were there any of those thoughts in your heart or in your mind when you were getting started in your business? Or is that something that you were just like, no, I'm I'm Lynn Charlton and here I go. <laughs> A little bit, yes. I think I'm at the place in my career journey. Um, what, so I always, I always phrase it this way. I'm intentionally proud of my accomplishments because I am also very intentionally aware of my areas for development or improvement. Mm. So don't hear me, you know puff up my chest about myself and my expertise and that not come with a heavy um, realization that I'm a whole person with um, areas for development as well. But as it relates to HR, I've definitely earned my stripes. Um, I've intentionally put myself in the position to build my experience in a very short amount of time. Um, So I recognize that um, I bring to the table not just the realities of my youthfulness sometimes, um, but also a lot of experience that other people just simply haven't been able to access. Mm, mm. That's beautiful. For you, was there anything that, you know, you knew that stood out about you that was really different in the industry of HR, that you had something really unique to offer in to your audience and to the people that you're helping? I believe it's that I intentionally lead with empathy and that's not um, a concept that's always known or embraced within human resources or within those who exercise the power of human resources (laughs) that um, I really do think that there is always a positive business case to do the right thing. I think there's always um, a way to see the real person within your HR. They're not a photocopier. You know what I mean? They're not a piece of inventory. They are a real live human being contributing to your business. And I think that when we approach leadership decisions and we approach managing other people from the position of empathy, that we um, not only value the human, but we actually make more money. Mm. It's like the best combination of both worlds. Absolutely. I am eternally surprised on a day-to-day basis that I have created a career of leveraging business cases to uh, emphasize and uh, create influence around positive change. Hmm, Interesting. And what I love about what you do, because you're independent, so you're essentially, I imagine, are you contracted then on behalf of organizations? So you're sort of like like a third set of eyes. So you're not part of the organization, but you come into the organization to support them, which I would imagine in some ways almost easier to be less almost political in that space. You know, like I find that HR can sometimes, it gets political. Like in my experience, it was the organization and the organization infiltrated the HR department. So it was like, 
they weren't necessarily making good decisions on your behalf or the behalf of the people in the organization. They were doing what the organization wanted the, them to do. Wasn't I mean, I find that con- conversation always uh, makes me very passionate because nobody ever goes out for lunch with their coworkers and talks about how the finance department isn't their friend. <laughs> nobody ever uh, has wine on the weekend with their friends and talks about how the director of operations isn't our friend. It would be such a weird conversation to have, right? Hmm. But all the time, people have the conversation about how HR isn't your friend. And I find it so fascinating because we as a sector also champion, we are friendly, we are not friends. Stop calling each other family. You're not family. Hmm. So I feel like in some ways, it's so interesting that there's this conversation about how HR isn't your friend because like, yeah, we told you so. Hmm. You're also not our friend. Mm-hmm. You're also paid by the man to do a job just like everybody else is. Yeah. Now, with that said, and recognizing that everybody is at the table for the same reason, and typically that reason is going to be money. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. why HR is there. HR is not the, the, the kindness portfolio. HR is there to help the... Um, money or help the business make money basically to facilitate all of the parts that make the all the pieces move together all of those things so if we're all if we recognize that we're all there for the same purpose that doesn't mean that we can't have both needs on the table at the same time Mm. i think that you can be a revenue focused empathetic employer Mm. well that's good (laughs) because not everybody has that not everybody has a, a similar perspective, you know, coming from that intentionality and doing what's right, right? I believe friends aren't paid. Mm, that's fair. I believe friends aren't paid. Yeah. I believe friends aren't paid different rates. <laughs> I believe friends aren't laid off. Friends aren't given performance reviews with, you know, goal setting and etc. And I think we need to be real about what it is. I think that when we um, talk about friends and we talk about family, we do um, set ourselves up for uh, disappointment down the road. Mm. I also think that, um, and as an HR pro, this would maybe be my advice to your listeners, is that we also need to recognize that the word family and the word friend is very subjective Mm. those words feel different to different people Mm. so we always need to be really mindful when you might you might have a good feeling about those words and others may not and you might be unintentionally projecting your stuff onto someone else Hmm. an example that i give some small business owners is that it is totally normal in some people's families to scream at each other all day True. So let's be mindful when we're saying, you know, we're all a family, that that means different things to different people. And that might solicit things back that you don't want. Yeah. So instead of talking about family and friends, I always encourage people to talk about things like loyalty, respect, communication, team members, um, you know, having trust built, uh, trust based relationships and those types of things. Take what that word means to you mm. and break it down a little bit further into something that we can all agree that we understand the same. Well, it creates lines. It creates boundaries. Yes. It helps you understand better because you're right. A lot of people talk about like their work family, which is inappropriate. It is inappropriate. <laughs> But it's become part of our culture to refer to work as work family, yes. right? Yes. So that's really interesting. So so did you know from a fairly young age that you wanted to get an HR? But how did you get into it in the very first place? So it's such a funny story because like it's such a story for me of what's for you is for you. 
So I originally wanted to go into social services and I am the daughter of a finance executive. So I was so excited. I finally, you know, we put so much pressure on kids to figure out what they want to do. Right. So I finally, I figured it out and I went, dad, I know what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a social worker. And he looked at me, he said, that's an excellent choice. And he made me do a cost benefit analysis of becoming a social worker. (laughs) And it was upon this exercise that I realized there was not a lot of cost benefit to becoming a social worker. (laughs) And it sort of spun me because I thought for, I, um, and anyone who's known me into my childhood would, would totally agree. I thought I was like, that was going to be my, my, my destiny, right? I was going to go into something human services related. And uh, so it really spun me and I didn't know what to do. And I took a career assessment at Conestoga College just to see what my ranks are. And my number one rank was human resources. And so I began researching what HR is because like everybody else, I thought it was a crusty lady filing, you know what I mean? Like doing scheduling and messing up payroll and, you know, like like that's what I thought it was. And so I started realizing um, what HR is and sort of recognizing the type of person I am. I thought that potentially might be a better fit for me um, than social services. Interesting. And so, uh, that began my choice of, I'm going to, uh, go into human resources and ultimately found myself as a community leader in human services, leveraging my HR background. Mm, Interesting. So you were sort of able to bring the two elements for yourself together, this passion you have for people and humans and having empathy for them with, this ability to also make money at the same time, sort of like having that focus of that laser. Yeah. Interesting. Because like I look at things in a very different way. Now I did not have a financial services parent uh, encouraging me from the other side. It's more dysfunctional than you think. Well, because because like I come from the perspective and I encourage people to, you know, follow their heart first. So whatever it is that's on your heart is where you go and you can make money doing whatever it is that you're however your heart can service others. There's always money and attracting money into what you do based on where you're following your heart to. So it's right. So it's just a very different perspective. So. I'm curious, um, like sort of how you bring those two together. How do you bring empathy into like, really, it's a tough business, HR. Like you, 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 I would say, I mean, I couldn't do it. I think it would be a very difficult business to be in for me. Um, So how do you bring those two together? How do you bring empathy and like, you know, that, that hard hand of business into the same conversation? Or does it look like that for you at all? I think impartial and equitable plays into it. Um, people may not always love hearing no, but they'll respect it if everyone gets the same no. Mm. Um, usually what people push back against isn't what the rule is. It's the inequitable application of what the rule is. Right. Um, so I do find that uh, operating from a place of integrity is extremely important. You have to be able to walk the line. Um, maintaining a lot of professionalism in my working relationships is it definitely helps me to do that. I'm a human being like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's much easier if I am somewhat emotionally a little bit removed from the people that I provide HR to. Mm. Um, I forgot the question. That's okay. I think you've pretty much answered it. Okay. Is that is that you're you are focusing on the empathy and focusing on the the human component of it sort of first, it sounds like. It's like, how here's what needs to happen or here's what's happening or here's where the line isn't being met or here's where... I would say here's where we need to end up. The way mm. they get we get there can look different depending on the person. Yeah. 
And I feel that way very much about policy and how we write policy and how we apply policy. I don't like to policy myself into a corner <laughs> because it uh, or prescribe the process too heavily uh, without leaving some wiggle room to tailor to whoever the individual is in front of me that I'm applying that process to. Hmm. Um, I think that it's important that we are flexible where we can be when it's appropriate to be flexible. Hmm. So now how would you say, um, like to small business owners that might be listening to this message because you support small businesses and mostly a not-for-profit by the sounds of it. I do both actually. You do both? Uh, just my not-for-profit work tends to be the loudest because it's so politically, uh, charged and it's such a prevalent sort of sexy media uh, thing in our community but I uh, work a lot in tech oh interesting so like because I was gonna say you know what are some of the things that you would encourage like I know for example when I was doing the buzz tour company I had a very small team that was slowly building and then now I don't have a team at all but I plan to have a team in the future so what are some of the um the starting points for that what what do I look for where do I need to be in my small business in order to benefit from having HR or when should I start considering that uh but I would start considering it before you have employees okay so I always say to small business owners um if you are not an HR pro stop trying to be an HR pro it's a really expensive way to save money um <laughs> I mean it's it's keeping my business alive always happy to help yeah uh, but there's easy there are uh less expensive ways to do this mm. um what you can do so much like we were talking about how you're learning your podcast as you go as it relates to HR you know what can take you three days to do will take me 15 minutes and that's purely based on the reality that I've made HR my whole life for 20 years right yeah um and I think as it relates to small business owners they appreciate that they want agility they want to focus on their operations. They don't want to get bogged down in legislative requirements and they want those things done. They want them dealt with. They want those needs met, but they don't want to be consumed by them as to be distracted from uh, the operational focus of their right. business. And their greater mission of what it is that they're doing and what Absolutely. they're there for. Because it's it's just like anything. I mean, running a small business, there's a lot of moving parts that happen. And I think we come into small business because we're really passionate about something. We really want to do something, want to make change in something. Um, and we want to do like you were saying earlier before, we want to dig into those gifts and bring those alive so we can help yeah, support so like people. Instead of HR feeling like leg weights, yeah. HR can feel like WD-40. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I would say to a lot of small business owners with a lot of love and respect, like get out of the way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Focus on the operations of your business and give the HR to the expert. Yeah. And watch your, watch your revenue increase to the capacity where you can now begin to implement that growth strategy. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. But it's like, it's almost like when you're starting a small business, you're thinking smaller, depending, of course, on what industry you're in as well. You know, like I'm not a tech company. <laughs> I am the farthest thing but from a tech company. What I can say is whether you are a small business with under 10 employees or whether you're medium, you know, you've got about 100 to 250, let's say. Right? Yeah. Um, the, the HR is a large enough portion of your budget. I would fair, jump to say it can be between 60 and 80% of the budget for anybody's business, small, large, it's all on scale. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so my rebuttal to that is, is if you are not strategically managing your HR, you're not strategically managing your budget. Mm. Right. And the money's going out faster than you can bring it in. Yeah. Someone like me stops that bleed. Yeah. And keeps people happy to be there. Yeah. And harmonious working relationships. And the, and if you wanted a quantifiable metric for what uh, effective HR does for you, it will be in your actuals. Mm. Yeah, no, those are all really good points. And I think that 
again, just when we're starting business, depending on what that business is, we're not necessarily thinking in that way. So it's good to have that sort of lens put over what uh, and how it can benefit and and not only HR, but other elements of supporting small business, because again, we're not jack of all trades. We can't do all the things. Well, what's the growth strategy for the business owner? I think we spend a lot of time talking about uh, how we will develop our staff or what they are or aren't doing or, you know, all of those things. We, we yep. really focus on the front line, especially as it relates to our goals for our business. Mm-hmm. But we don't always take into consideration our own self-development. Like you make a reservation minus one person because you forgot to put yourself in the headcount. Yep. And I think that um, that's another benefit that I bring to business owners is sort of uh, making I'm their HR because there's no HR for the HR, right? Yeah. So sort of coming alongside with what is the development strategy for yourself so that we can make sure that your competency and your skill set is matching your strategic growth goals. Yeah. Uh, What you don't want to do is be an expert in your field and never take in anything in leadership development, find yourself with an influx of cash, having to hire on 20, 30 people, and you don't know how to lead them. That's not where you want to be. And that's not the time when you have time to tap out and go invest in your development. So as we look at what are the strategic goals for your business, we can also take a look at and how do we equip you Hmm. to get it there? Yeah, absolutely. So now I'm curious, because when we first started talking about you coming on this podcast, Mm -hmm. You know, we d- you didn't start in the small business, so you've been doing this for about 13 years. Yes. And so prior to that, you had experienced corporately, and I would imagine that there's something that kind of pushed you into working for yourself instead of working corporately. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you mind talking a little bit to what changed your mind or your heart from going corporately into working for yourself and being self-employed? Um, I needed some boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think one thing that I really experienced being a senior leader working in an employment setting versus being a senior leader working as an entrepreneur was the strain on my relationships with my children. Hmm. Um, The reality, especially when you're working in human services, the challenges that I'm at work solving are greater challenges than what's being experienced in my own personal home. Hmm. So very easy to prioritize one over the other. And sort of taking a step back and realizing that uh, that investment is coming at the expense of my own um, and realizing that it's also never going to change, that I'm not going to be able to work my way out of it. I'm not going to be able to fund my way out of it. I'm not going to be able to reorg uh, my way out of this challenge. This isn't a today challenge. This is a cultural issue with how we... Uh, work executive level employees, um, I knew I had to go. Mm. So how long did it take you to come to that decision? Like, how old were your kids? Just out of curiosity. Uh, My son was nine. My daughter was 11. Oh, wow. So yeah, so they were pretty young. So they were still in that. And now they would probably be close to 20? No, 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 no. Now they are 13 and 15. Oh, okay. So I was thinking that you'd been self-employed doing this for 13 years. That meant in a, that was, a, so you ended So corporate- no, I made the decision in 2019. Okay. That it was time to refocus. I realized that what I, what was going on in my life wasn't working. And I wouldn't say that from an outward perspective that was necessarily experienced. It was sort of happening um, inside. I wanted my relationships in my personal life to look very different, whether that was friends or family or what have you. Um, I realized I had no space for myself in any of that as well. Um, 
And at the time, I was also starting to navigate separation and divorce. Hmm. So sort of being a leadership and a um, media presence as it relates to issues on housing, homelessness, and the opioid epidemic, addictions, and mental health, very uh, controversial issues, and they remain very controversial. I really felt like I was fighting this war at home, and then I was going to work, and I was fighting a war, and there was just war everywhere <laughs> i couldn't hack it i just couldn't hack it yeah and there was no support anywhere mm. and that's not to say because people didn't try to support me just uh the resources for that type of support within a not-for-profit environment and then sort of recognizing you know going there's a lack of support at home when you're navigating <laughs> um separation and divorce i just um couldn't keep up anymore in my life Mm, yeah, no, I feel that for sure. And I think sometimes too, like we get into what we do for a living. Like you seem like a pretty determined, fiery woman who's like going after what she wants and doing what she can do to make improvements in the world and help people a lot. And I think that um, often in our mission to do what it is that we are passionate about doing, we often are so focused on that, that it's harder to focus on all the other parts. The best thing I did was tap out. Yeah. And not, I'm going to leave this job and I'm going to start my business. I'm not, I'm going to leave this job. Then I'm going to do this. I, I, I left to a blank slate mm. and it put me under for a little bit because we were talking about perfectionism, pardon me. Um, and just also whether we like it or not, we're very defined by the hats that we wear. Mm. So to sort of have all the hats gone and to just be Lynn and to really sit there and realize that I don't know who I am without the hats. But I thought that I did. That's a huge realization. Um, and so to have this sort of blank slate life, both personally and professionally, was like extremely exciting and absolutely terrifying at the same time. Because it's like, it was like walking into a hoarder house a little bit, <laughs> knowing I need to clean it up and needing to look at all these items in my life and do they stay or do they go to the bin? Uh, are they still relevant today? Do I still use these things today? And to sort of um, pick apart my entire self to get back to myself mm. and realizing that one mistake that I was making along the way. And I think it's something we all kind of, uh, I would say it's a mistake I see frequently people make. So mm -hmm. it's not just myself. I think we're sort of brought up this way, yep. but to like target a career or target a job and then do what you need to fit it. Right. And be who you need to be to fit it and wear the clothes of that job. And to do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Right. And so I have flipped the script on that this time and I want my business to be myself mm. and I want people to want to work with myself. Mm. So I don't want to worry about wearing um, polished conservative clothes because of what people might say if they see me on the news. I don't want to worry about um, not being um, funny or not being serious or um, bringing lightheartedness to the office because people view my role as overly serious. I really want to be able to be myself and I want to be able to have my boundaries and have them respected mm. um, and really realize 
realizing that the best way to do this is to determine all of those things and then go into it instead of going into it and then trying to figure out what your boundaries are with it. Like you seriously just hit the nail on the head because like this is what we have been, like you said, we've almost been accustomed to this. We've been taught or trained. I guess you could say it's like... It's people pleasing. Well, it is. And it's like you're going to go to school. You're going to do this thing. Like I talk about this a lot with people is like, you know, we're, we're, it's designed where we go and do all these things and then we get the job and then we stay in that job. Well, maybe now we have a few different jobs, but (laughs) within that thing. And you're right. We absolutely conform to whatever it is that it needs from us instead of looking at it the other way around. So it's like, it's interesting because I've been having conversations now with people and they're like, you know, but how are you doing this? And I'm like, well, I started looking at my big picture life. I started looking at, maybe this happens more as you like reach closer to midlife. I don't know if that's part of it. Speak for yourself. I'm the old lady in the room. I'll totally take that. That's fine. But like I started to look at like this big picture and go, well, hold on a second. Like, why can't I design my life? Why can't I take the things that I'm really strong at and I'm really passionate about and I'm really um, capable of helping people with and, but start looking at it from up here down mind all the time because at that time I was in such a place of despair like yeah. there's really no other word for it I was grieving my personal life I was grieving my career like that was my dream job that nobody can argue I was immensely passionate about um and I was in such a place of sadness mm. right mm-hmm. and to come out of that feeling like I know myself better I look around every day and my actual real life is used to be my happy place. Mm. Like it used to be a place that I would go to in the back of my mind, like a fantasy. Mm. And I never thought that that, uh, was for me. Hmm. Because I think that we're not taught that we're taught to not dream. We're taught to stop dreaming and just go and do something safe to dream. That's right. But I actually, I'm so glad we're having this conversation and so many more people are starting to have this conversation because it's in the dream that you can start to create and develop something that is right for you instead of this fitting into a box. I talk about boxes a lot. I don't know why they kill our intuition along the way. Um, coming back to my intuition and allow and listening to my intuition, allowing it to lead my, um, my business and my personal life decisions has been a incredible game changer yeah. for me. And like, I find too, like, you know, whoever decided that to be a professional, you had to wear certain clothes and look a certain way, right? Like, right? <laughs> Sorry, you can so I mean, no, no, I, I agree with you. And not, not to say that men are bad. It's not a blanket statement, but that the world was created. The business world was created around what men wanted. After this is done, I will show you, um, I have a, a video where it was uh, 2018 and I was giving a talk at Cambridge City Hall about the coordination of social services within the city of Cambridge. And it was a, um, and it was a well-received talk. That's not the point, but I'm in the sort of back room hanging out before they bring us all out. And I've taken a pan of the room and it didn't even occur to me how bad it was at that time. But when you recognize how social services is a female dominated sector, right? And I was standing in this room with all white men Hmm. representing social services to the city of Cambridge and realizing that in that moment, myself as a white woman is the diversity card Hmm. for a female dominated sector. Hmm. 
And I will say it is one thing that I am so proud to have seen evolve and change over the past four years is the presence of uh, women in executive leadership within our local human services and social services, the presence of black women in executive leadership and director level roles within social services and human services um, within the region of Waterloo. Um, very, very much needed. Would love to see more equal representation at the leadership level, especially recognizing um, how many women we have working in that sector and how many of those women are our community members. Yeah, it's so... Hey, I'm jumping in the middle of my own episode to let you know about a project I've been working on. It's called The Joy Project, an online membership-based community of like-minded women who want to be supported in living a more joyful life. There are monthly love seat group coaching calls, weekly socials to connect you with other women who want to live a more joyful life, lively discussions, guest speakers, and so much more. The community opens its doors on Monday, June 26, and it will be available to a limited number of guests. So don't miss this opportunity to be amongst other women who want to lift each other up and live more authentically. Find more by visiting itsmechristined.ca slash community. Have this conversation because really, I mean, we've been kind of squashed down in silence. I'm not sure why and, we accept it. Right? I look at, I look at it now and I'm, I'll show you the video because it's a very harmless video and I was welcomed in this group and um, sometimes I'm hesitant to show the video because the men in the video, I, I'm actually uh, still great friends with and we're colleagues and we all still work together. I have a lot of respect for them. Um, but the reality is that that leadership table should be should represent the front line. That's absolutely true. And like, I think too, you know, um, we're so overlooked as women as to what we bring to the table, this, this uh, very different perspective, like big picture perspective, we're very nurturing, we tend to really focus on the relationships, and we tend to do really great work, but haven't really been given the opportunity. So how have how have you, have you found that? Like that's been a hurdle for you. Like, how have you overcome some of that hurt, that those hurdles in being a woman in this industry where you were surrounded by men, as much as they might now be friends, and you know those I are good men. I think the tallest poppy is a thing. Mm. Um, that the tallest poppy gets clipped. I think that's uh, real talk. Mm. I think queens support queens, but the devil wears a dress. Mm -hmm. um, in my experience, if anyone's going to try to tear you down off of your leadership pe pedestal, it's likely going to be a woman. It's likely going to be a woman older than you, Interesting. Um, which I have always found fascinating. And so what I have done with that in the same way that I've done with horrible bosses, I hope you're all listening, <laughs> is I just leverage that into my own leadership style. And so if a young woman ever asked me for some time to talk about HR or their career in HR, I make that time. If anyone ever needs us to invest in them, because I have found that it's been swimming against the current as it relates to uh, creating change and influence from an executive leadership perspective in the region of Waterloo. Yeah. And I find that immensely disappointing. Yeah. But one reality that we face, Christine, we're going to be here for a while. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So TikTok. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like I, I, you know, I think a lot about generationally. So I wonder if it's that there's so much fear and there hasn't been opportunity or 
maybe women that are older in that generation. I think there's a minimalist mindset and then there's the, you know, the maximalist, right? Right. So I think that there's a lot of us who really view it as there's enough for everybody to eat. I am not threatened by other uh, professional uh, leadership women at the table. I believe there's value in everybody's expertise expertise Mm -hmm. i believe that we sharpen each other that it's important that we have dialogue and debate that we that we don't agree and that we um share information and learning in that way and i really hope that everyone who comes up underneath me experiences my leadership in that way hey this is andrea and i'm the host of the balance and bliss podcast your girl loves to chat and if you're looking to connect with your body in a physical mental and more intentional way then come tune in with me weekly as I share with you relatable and actionable things you can do on your pursuit to wellness and happiness come on over you deserve a little more bliss in your life that then to be like there's so much um like there's so much confusion around what we should be and I think that for me I don't know about you but like I'm trying to as much as humanly possible to take the word should out of my language take the word should out of anything that I'm doing because there's no should about it I'm going to do what feels right for me I'm going to help guide and be there for other women and help lift them up like I want them to lift me up right Mm -hmm. that's what I believe in like let's more of us win with more of us lifting each other up right so uh, but it has been really confusing and it still is confusing for women because many don't understand their place or realize that they have this power in themselves so you know my question to you might be for our listeners if you're encouraging women what were what would be a couple of the things you might say to a woman who's like oh I really want to do something more but I don't know where to start how would you encourage them how would you um you know I don't know provide them some kind of words of wisdom to that they could embody and move forward with to take more action or or show up more for themselves and other women start with what you have uh we tend to we all humans not just women (laughs) uh we tend to overthink it um a really great example of that is volunteerism uh people are hesitant to engage in any sort of volunteer activity because they have all these preconceived notions about what it is when in actuality they don't we don't need any of that from you you're an accountant that's what we need we need you to come and help us with our accounting (laughs) and so i'm always challenging people to stop overthinking it and stop making it so complicated like we just you know the world really just needs you to show up as yourself Mm. um one thing that I can tell women who are listening and it was very scary for me is that um, being your authentic self, knowing yourself and having uh, your boundaries predefined and all of these things and then looking for people who fit you instead of you fitting in with other people is absolutely terrifying. Um, the rejection fear is tenfold and you'll be more enjoyable. You'll make more money. Your business will be sustainable. People will enjoy working with you. People who like you for you will seek you out uh, because they feel the vibe. Um, I wouldn't overthink it. Show Mm. up as yourself. That's beautiful. And it is because you're you're leveling up this vibration when you decide that you're going to show up just who you are and you're you're giving permission to everybody else around you to show up as who they are. Right. And it's such a beautiful ripple effect that we get to have an impact on when we just show up as we are instead of hiding in the corner. I have found myself in the most incredible reciprocal relationships as of late, which I would say I didn't necessarily experience um, when I was in employment settings Mm. where uh, the people who bring me on to pour HR into to them are also so willing to pour back into me. Mm. 
um, and which is always a tricky thing when you're a consultant because, you know, you fully work for them, but they don't fully work for you, right? It's not like an employment um, relationship, but I have just found myself with people who want to work with me um, in a way where they really want me to be included, where they really value me as a, a human being in addition to um, the HR work that I bring to the table. And I think that is all due to me just being authentically myself. 100%. And deciding that this is this is just how you're going to show up. Yes. You're going to be you. And I think too, you know, we tend to get caught up in the, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what that's going to look like. That fear zone that, you know, I always tell people like, if you're equally excited and scared as fuck, you know, you're moving in the right direction because that. I'm just like the better it gets, 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 the better it gets because, um, I was to launch my business in April of 2020, like mm. the, 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 the relaunch of uh, my newly defined self and my newly defined business, which I'm currently redefining again. I think that will continue. To- <laughs> hey, girl, that's evolution, <laughs> right? That's right over here. Um, what was I saying? Shit, I lost that it. you were coming in your 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 rebrand basically you're rebranding yourself in this business that you're in now and who you are and how you're showing up um we were talking about how uh oh shit now I lost my train of thought <laughs> where, where are we going Very with that menopause. <laughs> Um, P.S. listeners, this is how shit works sometimes. Yeah. Because whatever. This is why I like working with women. Because whenever it happens, everyone goes, yeah, word, that happened to me. This is real life. This is just the way it rolls. Well, I think we're what, ultimately, like, I mean, think, you know, I, I was saying that women, uh, anybody actually, but I more generally speak with women and work with women is it's that it's that equilibrium of scared as fuck and 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 excited it's like oh, that so I was combination saying, yes pardon me <laughs> when I, so I went to launch my gonna launch my business like the whole world closes yeah so I sort of at that time was a far enough along on my like self-healing journey that I was like I think this is because I'm supposed to still be resting maybe I'm pushing a little too hard and I leaned into that a little bit maybe um there's more cooking to do in the kitchen mm. But it was also at that time that I'm thinking, like, am I going to be able to support myself doing this? Am I going to be able to have the lifestyle that I want to have doing this? Am I going, and not just from a financial perspective, but, like, recognizing I'm doing this because I want to be more present with my kids, not less present with my kids. Right. Like what's less from less, right? Yeah. Um, and and I, am I going to have the payoff for this that I'm looking for in my life experience, right? And to be now you know, four years out of 2019 where I sort of like took this risk on my, on myself and to be like, I had, now I'm overwhelmed and I have all these meet places I got to go. And like, people want to talk to me and, (laughs) and all of that. I'm so appreciative of opportunities like this because, um, it was a bit of a mind trip to go from, um, doing a lot of public speaking and doing a lot of media presence, also recognizing that I'm getting some backlash for the things I'm saying and, and what have you, it made me very paranoid. Mm. Um, and so working through that sort of getting my legs up underneath me again to present myself publicly is so hard to do. Mm -hmm. And it really is just one foot in front of the other. So I'm so glad to do something like this because it's a little bit private. It's a, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, stretch my legs. Yeah. Well, and the thing is like, it is inevitable 
that you're going to have wobbly legs when you're doing something new to you. I think it was going through the separation and divorce at the time where I was sort of uh, a prominent community leader. Um, just really negatively impacted my mental health. Mm. It didn't hurt me to be judged about my work or maybe, you know, my political opinions. I'm very, I'm very uh, loud about controversial topics. It, that did, that part didn't surprise me. Yeah. It was really hard to be very uh, mental health perspective weak at that time because of what was going on in my personal life and have to present in the media, um, usually with no notice. <laughs> And to maintain this sort of um, facade and this veneer and it really tore me down. So now I'm trying to re-engage, like I want to recognize that that's a gift I have. Yeah. That um, being well-spoken is not something that comes easily to a lot of people. So I don't want to take for granted what comes easy to me as a gift. Um, But also wanting to do it in that authentic way now Mm. with no veneer. Mm-hmm. And where I don't have to be the man in charge and I don't have, you know what I mean? Where I can just be um, myself. And I think, I think it might be the added layer of wanting to be more vulnerable mm. and wanting to be more transparent and a little bit less veneer is like fucking terrifying. <laughs> of course, but it's not what we're taught to do, right? We're not taught to show our bellies and to be vulnerable and to put ourselves but out I've there like that. But I've never regretted it in the mm-hmm. past. And I find it the, the, the weirdest mind fuck is battling imposter syndrome where the person you compare yourself to is yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, will I ever be able to be that person again? Will I ever are, are um, you know, people are used to seeing me like that. Are they going to be gracious as I grow back into that? Are they going to expect me to be that as soon as I hit the road, you know, yeah. the rubber hits the road, which I think has held me back maybe a little bit. Well, but I would say too, like, it's less about going back. Because you're not going backwards, girl. Right. You're going forwards. Of course. Forwards and up, right? So it's like, I think that maybe that's language that we hear about going back to who we were, but we'll never go back to who we were. Facts. Right? We're going to move forward. You're you're, you're, you're creating this new way for so, yourself. Well, I love what you have on there. Your opinion of you is the only one that matters. Mm-hmm. You know how powerful that statement is? Yeah. And I have goosebumps, actually, after having you just said that out loud because... So many of us don't show up and we're afraid of what people are going to say about us. We're afraid about what they're going to think about us. They're afraid about all kinds of things. And fear is our, it's our, it's our enemy. It, well, it works for us sometimes as well, but it stands in our way. And if we don't push past that fear and do it anyway, Man, like I was saying a few minutes ago, you're going to have wobbly legs. You're going to get out there and you're going to feel like you can't do it. You're going to be so scared that your whole body wants to shut the fuck down. Well, it's a lot easier to do without feeling like you're the voice of a 12-person board. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit less stressful. I imagine that would... to represent only myself (laughs) and um, to not have to feel like you're trying to uh, impossibly please, you know, this very diverse um, group of people that you're representing. So it's a lot less stressful in that sense. I also... Um, I've had a number of occurrences happen where I realize that people, people, women do want to hear about my work life experience. People want to know the tricks that I've learned because they want someone to model after, right? And I'm not a gatekeeper in any way, right? So I think it's um just wanting to um share not only my message of inspiration, especially for our local community and our ability to. Um, pour into our community but also wanting the women who are coming up under us to know that we're championing for you yeah baby 
Yeah, said so well. Lynn, I feel like you and I could probably sit here for a very long time and can continue this conversation, but um, I would love to maybe bring you back in the future again uh, and have another conversation. But just what would be maybe a last few words that you you would leave with our listeners? Words maybe of encouragement about going after what they want, who they are, and, and being who they're meant to be. Follow your intuition. And what's for you is for you. We always we don't get to pick the timeline. I think the things that are for you, you can't run away from. So if you have a dream and you have to put a pin in it, just know that what's for you is for you. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. If our listeners would like to continue to follow you, learn more about you, or reach out to you, how can people find you in the worlds of social and so more? You can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. I think LinkedIn is boring. <laughs> I am with you on that. <laughs> it's just boring and dry. It's not really like, you know, it's just not really fun. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. I am I am Lynn Charlton. And on there, I sort of post my day-to-day HR life. I love that. And a website anywhere that people can reach you? Yes, lynncharlton.com. Wonderful. Thank you again so much for being here. I really appreciate you coming. Thank you for having me. Especially coming all the way out here to Wellesley to my kitchen studio. It's been really lovely. I love having conversations in person. So I really love that you've done that for us. Of course. And for our listeners, I know that there are things in this conversation for you. And I hope you've picked them up. But most importantly... We have been sold this idea that we have to be something else other than what we're truly designed and meant for to be in this world. Lean in. Take that pin out. Lead in the direction that your heart is leading you and tap back into that intuition. You know, sometimes we get lost without and we lose our way in the sense that we get it all in our heads and we can't quite come back down to our hearts. But that intuition is still in you and it's still there. It just needs a little bit of practice to bring it back out. So I encourage you to do that. And of course, come back for the next conversation. We'll see you again. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'd like to invite you to hit the follow button on this podcast so you'll be notified when the next one drops. And if you liked this episode, please leave a review as it will help others to find this message. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at it's me, Christine D. Or if you'd like to connect about being a guest on the show, ask me about group or one-to-one joy and mindset coaching, learn more about the Joy Project community, or about hiring me for your next speaking engagement, please visit itsmechristined.ca. Thank you again. I'll see you next time.